and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Amen. It's brilliant. Thanks, Andy. Shall we pray? Father God, we are here from all across this city, God, from whatever week we've had, in our homes, in our workplaces, in schools, in universities, in shops. And we've gathered here to meet with you. We've gathered with each other who we love. We've gathered to hear from you. So Lord, come and speak. Come and encourage us that we might encourage this world, this city, this place, in this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's really, really good to see you this morning. Again, just want to welcome any visitors if you're here for the first time. I love this part of the service. We get to open up the scriptures. So if you, uh, if you love to engage with that, if you want to take notes, if you want to get a Bible out, that's brilliant. Um, you might be a visitor here. I've just spoke my parents here. Very warm welcome. <laughs> Didn't realize dad had a day off from his church. That's good. <laughs> Um, but we're going to dive in and we're going to be encouraged by God this morning. So in Acts, we have this story of Barnabas, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, who reaches out to encourage others. I came across a, a story of encouragement of someone who'd reached out in the last couple of weeks that, that really moved me. I uh, live in South Queensbury and we've just bought a place there and we, we were walking down by Port Edgar, and Port Edgar, um, a beautiful little port just under the fourth rail bridge, but I came upon some flowers and some rabbits um, stitched to the fence, and this area had become significant in the last couple of weeks as it was the place where Scott Hutchison, the lead singer of the band Frightened Rabbit, was found after um, committing suicide. And it deeply affected many of us. They've been a band that had moved me as a writer and as a Scottish musician, there was something about them that really inspired many of us. And something of Scott really marked other people. It wasn't just the songs. I see, I came across this, this tweet here. Let me just read the, the little note. That's a frightened rabbit hat. And the message went like this. Hey, Justin. I hope you don't mind me sending this note. Your kind parents got in touch recently to tell me you'd been having a difficult time and that Frightened Rabbit had helped you to pull through. All I really wanted to say is that no matter how dark life seems, you're never alone. There's always hope. Hope the hat warms the Ohio winter, Scott. There's a man troubled with depression or anxiety, troubled with his mental health, but who found the space to reach out through his life to others who struggled and to send a simple note. There's loads of that in his story. There's something about reaching out and encouraging that changes lives. I think of, of my life and it feels like maybe just being in a pinball machine and along the way people have prodded and encouraged me in the right direction. 
I think of uh, my dad writing me a note when I had chronic fatigue at age 10 with the scripture saying, hope in the Lord, it will renew your strength. I think of uh, Jay, our old uh, youth pastor, who as soon as I could play a guitar just kind of slung me on stage and said, you're leading worship, go. I was about 16 at the time. We had no idea what we were doing. Still don't have much of an idea, but we, Jay just threw me up. It was good. I think about Paul, a mentor of mine since past in Australia, who sat me in a McDonald's with a McFlurry and said, mate, you've got to live in your passion. You've got to get the grace of God in your life. <laughs> he was a legend. Who's been your greatest encourager? Life is marked with us probably just binging around with people just prodding us in the right direction. Go here, jump forward, you can do it. Encouragement shapes the direction of our life. And here we have uh, Barnabas, whose name literally means the son of encouragement. The word encourage comes from this word paraklesis, that means to exhort or prod or provoke forward, to comfort, paraklesis in the Greek. A sense of refreshment about it. And Barnabas' name literally meant that. It said in Acts 4 when they introduce him, Joseph, as his name was, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Barnabas is basically just a total legend. Sees a need, goes and meets it. Sees a need, goes and fills it. The son of encouragement. See, the church that Barnabas was part of was in a season of discouragement, serious discouragement. There had been huge persecution. Stephen, one of the um, apostles after one of the great parts of the church, was killed. And there was a mass persecution breaking out, a season of total discouragement. Barnabas was the person of encouragement. And so, encouragement is not just a novelty gift. It literally takes us from a path of discouragement and low experience into joy, into life, into comfort, into refreshment. So, if we can get this moving in our lives and moving in our church, it changes something. I wouldn't, I mean, if church wasn't encouraging, I just, I probably wouldn't come. If it, if it was leaving me browbeaten, and leaving me lacking in who I believed I was in God, we just don't come. There's something about the church which is to provoke and exhort and encourage and lift up. So we're going to find four ways that Barnabas um, brought encouragement, four pieces that are around that gift of encouragement, the spirit of an encourager which God puts in us. It's about receiving it. It's about getting to it. It's about seeing it, and it's about saying it. Receive it, get to it, see it, say it. Sorted, as the train says. So firstly, it's about receiving it. Barnabas receives encouragement, and we need to receive encouragement first. Similar to last week. Rather than just serving, 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 we need to be served and know that God wants to love and serve us. 
There's something really funny with, um, with worship leaders often or people who are, who are speaking, and, and it can go like this. You've led a really great service. The team have led, led brilliantly this morning, and someone might come up at the end and go, oh, Rachel, thanks so much for, for your music or for leading us in worship this morning. It was so great. And what Rachel might do is go, oh, no, 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 no. I've heard this a thousand It wasn't I. It was the Lord. It was all the Lord. And you say, no, 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 thank you. I really appreciate what you did. No, 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 not me. Jesus. It was Jesus. And, uh, and we hear this all the time. It's a sort of lovely effort at humility. Um, but to, <laughs> to be totally honest, I'm kind of thinking, Matt, do you know what? If it was all Jesus, I'd be on the floor and maybe not moving right now. I mean, I would be kind of pinned to the wall if it was just Jesus. It's this really lovely sort of attempt at that. But there's something that seems to reject a compliment that can be really tough. Maybe you, maybe you have that in other areas. It always shows up in worship. It's hilarious. Um, and it can be a rejection. And actually, what the greatest blessing is for someone giving a compliment is if they just receive it. It can be so easy to, to push it away, but we can just end up apologizing for being brilliant or actually for having a normal interaction. It blesses them to bless you. So often we tune into maybe what the most negative voice in the room might say. We, we, we can't receive it and we, and we tune ourselves and we speak and we try and match it so that the most cynical person in the room is kind of appeased that they might not have a wee comeback for us later. But how could we tune in to thinking, okay, I want to receive God's encouragement? It could be tricky. There's, there's been some research done uh, through Berkeley that would say negative words and, and just the pace of life that we're in, negative stuff sticks to the brain, a bit like Velcro, just dead easy, and then it sticks and it builds up. But positive stuff, can be a bit more like Teflon. It just doesn't, doesn't stick to it. And it needs time. It needs to be savored. That's why it's so easy. Nine lovely, normal emails and one mildly sharp email, and that sticks to us. One interaction throughout the day that sticks to us. It's like Velcro. But to be encouraged, sometimes we need to actually hold on to it, maybe for 10 or 15 seconds. So we're just going to do that just now. Wonder what was one encouraging thing that happened in the last week? Something someone said, something you saw. And for 10 seconds, just think about it. Savor it. Relish it. What, what's that thing? Just hold it for 10 or 15 seconds. hold it. That's how we go from just batting around life to savoring, relishing encouragement. So receive it. And second, get to it. Encouragers get to it. In verse 22, it says, of Barnabas, uh, his story, it says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. 
they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So the news of this growth and this burst in the church that wasn't the Jewish church, it was a bunch of Gentiles, as they say, was, was bursting, and they sent Barnabas from Jerusalem. So these are not areas where it's normally acceptable, and there were actually areas where a lot of people were being rejected in their faith. Oh, they're not proper Christians. They're not following our customs. They're not proper Christians. They haven't been circumcised yet. I really like whoever sort of worked that one out, that we don't need that. I appreciate that. But they sent Barnabas there, and he goes. Encouragers, it's not just from the sidelines, it's right in the thick of it. Encouragers are in the action, love to dive in where they can get in amongst people and speak life. It's not just an observer, it's someone in the midst of it. If you've ever been to a major sporting event here in Scotland or anywhere, then you'll have seen that, an incredible thing in play amazing expression of the law of averages. And um, maybe there's just a picture coming up of, of a great sporting event we can throw up. Oh, yeah, hi. Um, maybe that, oh, and the next one is, as well. That's great. There we go, thanks. I don't know how that other one got in there. Um, in Scotland, we have this thing, and I call it the law of old Tam. And you can see a crowd there at Murrayfield, and the law of old Tam says that for every 50 people, in a five-row circumference, there will be one old Tam. And old Tam will sit there with a pie and with a pint and with a foghorn of a voice and will declare everything that's happening on the pitch. Very vocally and seems to sort of take the collective voice and opinion of everyone around and declare that to the players or often the referee. Old Tam would be more entertaining and accurate than any pundit they're making. Alan Shearer and Alan Hansen look like kind of distracted puppies in their, in their viewpoints. And they go for it. There's a classic one. Referee is declared. And a good one which we often ask, a very rhetorical guy, what are you playing at? Or getting harsher, just go home. That's another one. Um, and a classic that was said during a Scotland... Italy game was, deep fry your pizzas, we're going to deep fry your pizzas. We're terrifying. <laughs> Old Tam will be there at the game, and there's only ever one. I think they kind of self-select amongst 50 people. Hey, Old Tam's great. Sometimes it's useful, sometimes it's amusing. But the difference is, Old Tam's not on the pitch. Old Tam's sitting in the stand with a pie and a pint making observations, chucking in his two cents. But the difference of someone encouraging you or challenging you or exhorting you when they are on the pitch beside you or on the sideline at least cheering you on is huge. Think of the people who encouraged you. Were they the ones standing at the front of the class just kind of calling it? Were they the ones just sort of writing you distant feedback? Or were they the ones who got alongside you so encouragement comes very lightly from the stands, but on the pitch, it comes with a hand on the shoulder, with a sweat on the hand, and someone who is eye to eye with you, speaking to you, standing with you. Are we the people who are going to get alongside someone and stand with them and get that encouragement going on the pitch? 
Brian Houston, um, he offers this quote on Twitter a while ago. He said, I'd rather be an artist than an art critic, chef than a food critic, musician than a music critic, and church builder than a church critic. He spent his life just pouring into building the church. What do we want to be? Do we want to be on the pitch? Do we want to be encouraging from alongside? Or are we just observers? The invitation's there. Barnabas got to it. He got amongst them and spoke from within them. Where are you ready to get stuck in and encourage? So an encourager receives it, gets to it, and third of all, sees it. And this is where this gets really real for us. It's really practical this morning. Encouragement is not a theoretical study. Encouragement is a life. It is the words we speak. It's what we see. Verse 23 says, When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. It could be so easy to pick up on what's missing from someone's life, from our life, from a team or from an organization, from a family, from a, a group that you work with. It can be so easy to just look at what's missing, what's not there, what we've not done. We get a real kind of pulling away from view. As Christians, it can be maybe sometimes even worse. We can see the world. The world is broken. The world's going to hell in a handcart. The world is flawed. The world is a deeply sad, profoundly sad place. What are we choosing to see? Do we see the potential of God in people? Do we see his heart to encourage individuals? What about in, in your family or with your co-workers? What's the story? Is it always they need to move on this or they haven't done that? <laughs> Alice uh, Green, who was with us a couple of years ago, she really changed something of that for me. You know, sometimes with music or with arts, it's really easy to say, here's what the team aren't doing. You know, they need to dance more. They need to clap more. They need to smile more. They need to this more, that more. And Alice just one day really challenged me and said, hey, we can't just point out what's not there in people. We've got to actually celebrate something when we see what it is. And we've got to point it out. Thank you for serving with the generosity of your time today. When you calmly prayed and just read that scripture to us, it really encouraged me. I felt really grounded. Thank you. The spirit of that encouragement, that gift of encouragement, sees the image of God in someone's life. And for me, this is one of the most practical ways to start firing this <laughs> off. If, if perfectionism is your thing or you just find it hard to see that, this is how I would often try and hold a frame in the world. Is seeing someone as God sees them and then acting accordingly. I believe that's the essence of encouragement. Seeing someone as God sees them, acting accordingly. Richard Rohr says, when we can see the image of God where we don't want to see the image of God, then we see with eyes, not our own. <coughs> so what is it if we were to walk into our classrooms or our, our, at the dinner table and to see with the eyes of, there's the image of God in each person. Image of God, 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 image of God. Something in that person's life, kindness, 
He showed mercy. He showed passion. They have a heart for justice. Image of God. There's the image of God. If nothing else feels helpful from this message, then just walk with that. See image of God. Image of God. Image of God. So, encouragement receives it, gets into it, sees it, and finally says it. Barnabas encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Barnabas spoke it out. We can see what's great, but it's time to start communicating it. We can only offer something to change and to lift up someone when we decide to say it, to communicate it. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Something amazing about that in the context of encouragement, which says, when you can, do it. When you see it, just say it. You can do that in so many ways. And one of the ways I've tried to do it is I've kept a box of cards, like drawers of cards and notes of that for about 20 years now. Just take what you get and just throw it in. Every card, every note of encouragement, every kind piece, just build it up build up a bank of something that is of encouragement. It can be so easy to get discouraged and we need those banks of encouragement to lift us back up. Who needs a little card today? Who needs a kind word sent through the door? Other ways that we just speak it. We observe something and we say it. Hey, I really appreciated the way you did this. Hey, you've got a real gift in that area. I've appreciated it today. Whatever that looks like. doesn't need to be flattery or floundering. Just a simple thank you and an encouragement can change the way someone's day moves significantly. When we get specific about something, like we did this morning, we just said thank you to someone. Here's what it was. So I saw Finney and Talbot. I said, Finney, thanks for making church fun. It's always great when you're here. There's a difference between um, the gift of encouragement and being void of it. The only real difference is when we see it, we say it. And the key gift behind that is just a bit of courage ourselves, a little bit of boldness to say to someone, hey, thank you for what you did. Or to sit with someone who you know has potential, you know has a gift in their life, and you want to stoke it up, you want to encourage them. And that's a track for me. Someone sat down and said, I see that you might have a gift in this area. Why don't you go for it? It refreshes us to encourage. It lifts us all. A gen- Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. It refreshes and encourages us to see it and encourage others. It's pretty simple this morning. First, receive it. Second, get into it. Third, see it. Fourth, say it. That's something of the the very nature of encouragement. Can you imagine what the church begins to look like if people walk into an atmosphere which is one marked by encouragement? That shouts something out. That draws people. 
be so easy to be in a world of criticism and negativity, but to come into the church and for someone to see something positive in their life and say it, it's so powerful. You know, we, we maybe don't need to make a list this morning, like, okay, three people I'm going to encourage. What we want is a new lens, a new way of looking at the world to see the image of God on every person, to see it and then say it. So the questions I want to give as we to go to communion, as we gather around a, a table and a space of encouragement, is what do you want to receive? Where do you want to get in and encourage? What do you want to start seeing in people around you? And what would you love to say to them as well? We're going to just practice a little bit of that as we, as we go into the next part. We're going to end with some encouragement. And I just want us to, to take a moment to thank and to celebrate what people do and who people are. You know, all across this church we were in last week, it was around the gift of serving. And it turned out sort of 80, 90% of people in the church actually serve in some way, which is incredible. And this morning, we're going to encourage that. I'm going to say thank you. Thank you to uh, the team who serve in the production desk or who bless us with caffeine at the end and biscuits. The team who welcome us, who actually kind of keep us safe, keep the place warm. Say thank you to each other for giving so the heat's on and we're not in a brutally cold room. And for, again, just for 15 seconds as the, as the team go up, we're just going to say thanks. We're going to encourage them. We can clap our hands or give some other kind of greeting and just see what it's like to encourage other people. So um, be encouraged. Receive it. Get into it. See it and say it. But let's say a thank you to everyone who is involved, who serves one another here. And let's say thanks. <laughs>